1: I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernial. Carol is executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, past chair of the board of directors of the National Council on Aging, a member of the Rays Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the Federal Department of Health and Human Services. She's got a master's degree in social gerontology with over 25 years of experience in the field of aging and caregiving, and she's one of the Next Avenue top 50 influencers on aging. Carol, it's great to talk with you. We're going to be taking up an interesting topic, talking about dementia-friendly living in apartments.
2: Yeah, I'm so excited. I've been very curious, Um, and Jennifer Reeder is here today to talk to us about a dementia-friendly apartment. And Jennifer, we're we're on pins and needles. What are you (laughs) talking about?
1: Let me give her a little introduction first. She's Director of Education and Social (laughs) Services at the Alzheimer's Foundation of America, located in Nueva, New York. Uh, That includes overseeing the uh, Federation's National Toll-Free Helpline and a whole lot more. Graduate of Temple University in 2011 with a master's in social work and entered the not-for-profit sector, providing in-home therapy to families in the Philadelphia area. And Jennifer Reeder, it's great to have you on. Thank you. As Carol said, we are really interested in this
3: yeah thank you so much for having me uh yes yeah, so the alzheimer's foundation of america we unveiled our apartment uh earlier this year and we're really really excited about it we got a lot of questions on our help line about you know what does it mean to create a dementia friendly home so we thought it would only benefit people by Building an apartment here, uh, here at our headquarters in New York City, so so that people can really see what a dementia-friendly home can look like. I so walk us through that. Sure. So, uh, so the so the apartment itself, uh, it's a full model scale home. Uh, so you walk in. There's a small hallway. Uh, there's a kitchen, a living room, a bedroom, and a bathroom. And, and we have a, a companion guide that goes along with the video that we also have. So people can go onto our website and take a look at the video and also order the companion guide, which goes uh, room by room and explains the different safety features, technology features that we have in the dementia-friendly home. And then also other tips that anyone can, can use uh, in creating a dementia-friendly home, because we know that not everyone Everyone has the funds to be able to, to buy the technology uh, that we do have in our dementia-friendly apartment. Well, this is
2: such a tremendous idea. And, I, you know, I think of my own experience. My mother-in-law who had dementia, I hadn't really thought about the environment. We were at her home. And mm-hmm. we had come in for a weekend. And I remember she went into the kitchen and we had put things on the counter, plates and glasses and doing to do the dishes. And she got very agitated. And mm-hmm. she kept saying, you have all these things. There's these things. There's things, all these things. And we had mm-hmm. cluttered up, you know, what she normally a counter She never used. And it was very distracting for her. Uh, and I think that's when I re- really realized that how important a you know sort of the regimen is, but b that environment really mm-hmm. impacts the person living with dementia.
3: Oh, very, very much so. Clutter is clutter is one of the the number one things that I mention when <clears throat> when talking with people about creating a dementia friendly home that any of us can do uh, because clutter can be very, very disorienting and cause confusion for the individual, just like what you mentioned with your mother. So, uh, and that's some of the things that we, that we mentioned um, along with color contrast, color contrast is a really big thing as well. It can really create the mood in a home and also be able to help the individual be able to see certain things in the home too. So So for instance, if you're looking at cabinets and they're all white and the handles are all white, the individual is going to have a really hard time being able to see the handles and may need more help in finding things in the cupboards well, we want to be able to enhance the person's independence and maintain their independence as long as possible. So, you know, just painting the the handles a different color uh, that's very different from white, let's say black, uh, then it'll be able to stand out for the individual. And then they'll be able to get their own stuff from the from the cupboards instead of being dependent on somebody else to do those things. And that's what part of a dementia-friendly home is about, is not just about safety but also maintaining a person's independence
1: now you had hinted at some kinds of technologies that uh, you have in the home as well that some people may or may not be able to afford but talk to us about what those technologies are
3: sure so we have a smart refrigerator that's pretty incredible um, so like when you look out from the outside of the refrigerator, it looks, it looks like a typical kind of, I mean, it looks pretty nice. The refrigerator for sure. But, um, but there's like a big screen on it that can change. So you can turn it into a calendar or you can turn it into photographs, whatever it is that, that maybe that might be able to, to help enhance familiarity for the individual and also reminders too. And then there's an actual camera in the refrigerator that's run by an app. So if you're a caregiver who's living from afar, uh, you can actually go onto the app and look in the camera and see what's in the refrigerator. So, you know, and this is a way to be able to make sure that your loved one is still buying groceries is still eating food, maintaining healthy and and fresh foods in the refrigerator. Uh, And then there's plenty of other things too. We have, um, we have thermostats that are run by apps So if you're a caregiver living from afar, you can maintain a person's, uh, temperature in the home because temperature is so important for a person with Alzheimer's disease. And, and also we have, uh, there's a door, a a door bell that has a, that also has a camera. So you can see who's outside the door, uh, and it can also alert you if the door is opening or closing, which can be helpful for individuals who may be prone to wandering, so ensuring their safety as well.
1: I'd well, like I- a smart refrigerator that tells me, Ronnie, you don't need to eat that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> well, what about some? You talked a little bit about the door and and the living area. Are there any? Is there anything that in the bathroom area um, that you have in your smart dementia friendly apartment?
3: Yeah. So the the bathroom, uh, we made sure that the that the sink is at a low level so that anyone who, if they're in a wheelchair or They're walking, it's still accessible to them, that there are handles on the toilet, that there are, there's a stand, a seating stand in the shower for the individual to be able to to sit on when they're in the shower and easy accessibility to be able to get in in and out of the shower as well. Uh, You always want to be careful with throw rugs um, because you know, it's anything that might be a tripping hazards of sorts. And sometimes mirrors, mirrors can be very disorienting for an individual with Alzheimer's as well. So we recommend that even though there's a mirror in our apartment, if if that is upsetting for the individual with Alzheimer's, that you can put something over the mirror. All right. And, and also point. too, with glare, uh, the the um, the floor that we have, it has a matte finish uh, because you also don't want to have floors with glare uh, and reflection because that can also be disorienting and confusing.
2: Yeah. Those are those shiny floors. Well, you reminded <laughs> me of a story that Dr. Musi, who is an Alzheimer's researcher here in San Antonio, told us where he, his family is in Italy. He goes home to see his mother who has dementia and he's His father had passed away, but he was showing the picture of his father to his mother. And she looks at the picture and she says, and he says, she's like, who is that? He says, that's Mm. "That's your husband. She says, what are you talking about? I would never marry an old man like that. (laughs) Yeah. And so that that mirror, you know, who who we think we are uh, and those of us who've lived with someone with dementia, you know, the age may change when a person has dementia. They may be inside seeing themselves at a different age and they don't know who that old person is
3: in the mirror. Right. Exactly. Exactly. How terrifying can that be? You know, especially if especially if you are having concerns with, you know, certain delusions or hallucinations or paranoia that can go along with Alzheimer's disease. So you want to be able to reduce any chances of those from happening.
1: Jennifer, did you pre and post test uh, the apartment with people with dementia?
3: That's a really good question. Uh, We got a lot of guidance. From individuals, uh, caregivers, from individuals with Alzheimer's, and then, and especially, uh, we also had a dementia-friendly designer too, who specifically designs homes for uh, dementia-friendly homes. So that was a that was a really big help.
2: And so that's something that you don't. I have yet to see. I mean, a a, a disability-capable home but it's mm-hmm. dementia friendly and it's not necessarily the same thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because, because it's not just about the safety features or it's not just about the technology features. Um, but, it, you know, as I said, in addition to just the way you can set up a home for someone who has dementia to be able to, you know, improve their, their quality of life.
1: And what about operating a television, for example, or a radio? Uh, are easier ways? To remote,
2: make- do, do you have a remote I need to buy that would be appropriate for me and someone with dementia?
3: <laughs> yeah, we actually do have a remote in the apartment with. Um, it has very big buttons on it, and it also incorporates multiple uh, multiple c- controls in one remote control too. So it makes it more simplistic for an individual to use, Carol and then get reduce you one. the chances of con- yeah. Yeah, I've decided that, you know,
2: the the cable companies with all the streaming services now, I don't know, everything's gotten worse during COVID. But with all the streaming services, the cable services, and now some networks are not even on the cable company. Those are on your phone. Um, Mm -hmm. I have gotten to where I have turned into my mother or father and can no longer operate the television.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's so confusing. (laughs) It's really Now,
1: what's been the response from the community to your apartment?
3: everybody's been inc- incredibly uh, interested in it. Um, we really look forward to being able to do in-person tours at some point, but, you know, because of COVID, we want to be very, conscious of everyone's safety. Uh, so we've been doing um, webinars uh, once in a while. We've also been just sharing the video that we created as well. Um, and just trying to, you know, be able to do as much outreach as possible. Whenever I do webinars with the the apartment video, I'll also do a component about home safety in particular too. Just to do be you able have a virtual to expand tour of on with the.
1: Is there a virtual mm-hmm. tour of the apartment on the internet?
3: So, yeah. So people can go to the the video, which is a tour. Um, it's not like a virtual tour where you can control it yourself, right. uh, but you can watch the video. Um, and people just need to go into our website. It's uh, www.alzfdn.org slash the apartment.
1: Well, Org slash the apartment.
2: And I hope everybody wrote that down because I was recently on your website and you have such a nice way of listing all of the educational opportunities that you Mm. have uh, with the Alzheimer's Foundation. So talk a little bit about the foundation itself. What else can we find on your website?
3: So we uh, there's a ton of caregiver resources that we have. Um, We have our Care Connections webinar, which is monthly, uh, it has a wonderful, wonderful resource. And we have an upcoming webinar uh, that's October 5th, it's uh, Brain Health for Veterans in Texas, which um, we're really looking forward to providing that. It was a series of five webinars that we did um, in different states. So it's really just to be able to, um, to broaden everybody's understanding of brain health uh, and how Alzheimer's disease uh, can be a risk factor for some, what what some people may be experiencing could be a risk factor for Alzheimer's disease later in life, Uh, in particular for uh, veterans and veterans of war uh, because of the the immense amount of stress that they go through and how it affects the brain can then make their brain more vulnerable to dementia later in life. So this, uh, this webinar is just to be able to teach how it is that if you are at risk, what it is you can do to for preventative measures, and how early diagnosis, where the empowerment that you can receive from an early diagnosis, because I think a now lot this of this program are careful.
1: The program we're recording today may run after uh, that webinar airs. Uh, gotcha. Will it be recorded and broadcast again so people can see it?
3: Yes, um, people can go onto our website on i. It, it will be on our website. Not exactly sure where on the website it's going to be, um, but anybody can give us a call at 866-232-8484, and that's where people can, you know, ask questions. They can talk with our helpline, which is staffed by all licensed social workers who can give additional information to all of us.
1: Perfect. That number again, 866-232-8484. And Jennifer Reeder, I know you've got to run. We really, really appreciate uh, you spending some time with us and look forward to the opportunity to talk with you again. Uh, Jennifer uh, is a licensed clinical social worker and with the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. Thanks for being with us.
3: Thank you so much for having me. Greatly appreciate it. You take
1: care. We're going to come back and talk with Carol Zonial about the uh, report that the RAISE Committee has sent to Congress, get an idea of what's in it and how it may benefit caregivers. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not-normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, Ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello, friend. Hello,
3: friend. Really good to see you once again. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. Good to see you once again.
1: Well, thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Just had a neat conversation with. Jennifer Reeder from the Alzheimer's Foundation of America talking about a dementia-friendly apartment. And that segues into Carol Zernial, our co-host, who serves on the RAISE committee, and they have just sent recommendations to Congress on caregiving. So, Carol, huge report, anxiously awaited. What's in it?
2: Oh, you know, this represents two years of work by this council that um, I think everybody would be very pleased and you can find the council members uh, listed in the report. But really representing the broad spectrum of caregivers, caregivers of children with disabilities, uh, caregivers uh, who are young themselves caring for an older person, caring for a parent with mental health issues, uh, you know, a grandparent raising a grandchild, somebody carrying somebody with Alzheimer's. So it's a mix of the federal agencies that have programs that support caregivers, caregivers themselves, and professionals who work with caregivers all contributed uh, to this. And, And if you don't know what RAISE stands for, it's Recognize, Assist, Include, Support, and engage family caregivers.
1: And the purpose of this report is?
2: The purpose of the report is um, it's a comprehensive review of the current state of caregiving with 26 recommendations to the Congress um, of how we might uh, develop a comprehensive plan to address all of those really difficult challenges uh, that are facing Caregivers, Um, you know, and and number one, it's there's really five areas, Ron. One of them is to increase awareness of family caregiving. You know, we talked uh, we talk often, but we've had several uh, physicians on the radio on the show recently that are talking about caregivers, which I get really excited about because. That didn't always happen, right? Caregivers were kind of invisible in the healthcare system. And so, that awareness of family caregiving is really key um, as one of the five areas. And then the other one is integrating caregivers into processes and systems to which they've been traditionally excluded. So, that healthcare could be another example of that. You want the caregiver as a member of the healthcare team because who is it? that is giving them the medications, who might be doing wound care, who might be arranging the medical appointments, who might call the ambulance and decide it's time to go to the hospital. That's the caregiver providing that care. And yet they are excluded in many cases from that conversation about the healthcare plan. Um, the you know the, the next one is increased access to services. So that's not a hard one at all. Um, especially during COVID, we We've talked a lot about how services that we kind of took for granted, having somebody to come into the home or being able to take a loved one to um, an adult daycare facility, some of those are gone, um, and, and we didn't have enough of them to begin with. So we definitely want to increase access to services. Uh, and then the the next one is increased financial and workplace protections for caregivers. Now that's you, a big one. That's a huge one. You know, you've heard me say multiple times a caregiver who quits their job leaves three hundred thousand dollars of unearned wages and and lost social security and retirement benefits by being a caregiver. And not only are they leaving money on losing this money, they're also spending an average of five thousand dollars a year out of pocket to help pay for those. Um, And some caregivers lose their jobs or have to quit their jobs. There's you know, we don't have paid family leave, right? We have unpaid family and medical leave.
1: And many employers don't understand why that caregiver is going away at certain times of the day. What they're doing is taking their recipient to medical appointments.
2: Right. And the same way we penalize women for getting pregnant and having children and having demands on their lives, we yeah. penalize family members for actually having loved ones who are need care Right. Um, and can't accommodate them in the workplace and so what are those changes and um, and then the last one is really better and consistent research and uh, data collection we don't know what we don't know you know and, and and think about uh the early medical trials all the early pharmaceutical trials were on white men period that even includes some birth control measures it, that actually happened. They're testing birth control, women's birth control pills on men back in the early days. Makes absolutely no sense. And so so you, you want to talk to the caregiver and have their voice in the research. You want to talk to the person with living with, you know, frontal temporal dementia, right? FTD, the person living with Lewy bodies, you want to talk to them and get their voice in the research. And then you want to make sure that you have the full ethnic you know, representation of all of our diverse caregivers as well and study, you know, their experience.
1: Now, do the recommendations include model legislation?
2: The recommendations do not yet include per se legislation. There will be a strategic plan that will come out of the recommendations. Certainly, there are policy implications in right. these recommendations. Um, but for somebody, you know, for the for the caregiver out there that's listening, what I want you to also know is this is not a dry report. This report online also has in video form the stories of twenty five different caregivers, and so there are stories. We wanted the members of Congress to have a face. And a person that looks at them and says, this is what it's like for me as a caregiver. Um, and so they're able to play those videos within the report and learn, you know, what is life like for all this variety of caregivers. And the recommendations go with a caregiver story. So a recommendation and a story that lives with it.
1: Uh, it's like a show we did a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Zitter, caregiver, a love story where she documented caregiving. Uh, a couple uh, who fell into it with terminal cancer.
2: That's right. And that, you know, it, those stories, that's really, um, our best chances of policy changes are when a family member of an elected official is impacted by Alzheimer's, by cancer, by FTD, by whatever the situation is or becomes a caregiver, then the light bulb goes off. And so if we can't reach them with their own story, we want them to see, another story that will also hit them, you know, in the in the heart, right? We want to hit them in their emotions so that that will spur them into action of actually doing something.
1: Last question. You excited about the report?
2: I'm very excited about the report. Um, I'm excited to see it all in one place. It is hours and hours of discussion and conversation um, and arguing in nice, friendly ways. Uh, But it was also know that it was done Uh, really to give caregivers a voice and bring everybody in the room that could help move this along and move the Congress and our country to a better place for caregivers.
1: And again, the website for folks who want to look at it.
2: If you want to see the report, you go to acl.gov slash raise, acl.gov slash RAISE.
1: Carol Zernio, thank you. And thanks for serving on that committee. Uh, that council will continue doing work.
2: We, we in, until the until the end of our term, which we hope they will extend. That is a recommendation too. <laughs> <due. laughs> oh,
1: good. Thank you, Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron, and thank you all for joining us on Caregiver SOS on air.